but they, they really thought that that one CCLI license was going to be enough. And it's not. There is a separate streaming license that you have to get in order to be able to live stream music uh, worship songs. Hello and welcome to another episode of Law and Church, a podcast for church leaders. My name is Brian Fitton. I'm here with Josh Bryant, managing attorney at Church General Counsel and an ordained pastor. Hey, Josh, we are back at, well, I was going to say back recording in the studio, but we're not in the studio. We are still in the middle of our COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so we are social distancing and recording through uh, Zoom. How's it going today? I'm, I'm, a, I'm getting a little stir crazy. <laughs> I'm ready to get outside and do some stuff. I hear that. We we joked about, uh, you know, in the last episode that we literally live two minutes down the road from each other. And we didn't even realize that until uh, I think you were dropping something off and then <laughs> realized that we were neighbors, which is kind of funny because uh, we see each other, you know, obviously when we record in the studio, but not right now. We're we're doing it virtually. Yep. It's crazy, crazy, crazy times, but you do what you got. You got to do what you got to do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, you know, in this episode, we're actually going to be talking about, you know, the online worship service, how we're connecting with um, our congregation and our community uh, in this time of the pandemic, right? And and that social social distancing and doing it well, keeping everybody safe and healthy. Uh, But tell us a little bit about what we're going to expect in this episode, Josh. Yeah, you know, we've got some really heroic church leaders out there right now who are making hard decisions and saying we're not going to meet in person. They know that that's going to make their giving go down. They know that's going to create problems, but they're making those hard decisions. They're doing it anyways, but then they're thinking, what solutions can we put in place? What can we do? Uh, and that's great. It's amazing that, that church leaders are really doing that, and they're kind of heeding those calls to find other ways to be the church rather than actually meeting uh, in a confined space with a lot of people who will just pass this virus around. So um, the problem with these creative ways of doing things is that there are a slew of legal issues that they existed in face-to-face meetings when we actually gathered together as a group of believers in the church building, uh, but they're exacerbated when we move them online. Now we've got a whole other, uh, just more, not more important, but just just more intense um scrutiny and more intense things that we've got to do in order to make sure we're complying with the law. So we've got to have a plan to ensure that legal compliance. And certainly at the church law group, we're here to help uh, make sure that those plans are in place. And we want to help you today, try to, to kind of think through some of the, at least the elements of those plans. And we can put some meat on those bones a little bit later. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, we talked about church leaders are getting kind of creative in this space. Um, and so when we talk about that, I, I'm on the production side. So I, I'm the creative director at our church. And so I run a lot of this. And so this is really in my wheelhouse. So I was, uh, we were, Josh and I were talking before we started recording. I'm very excited to jump into this because it is, it is in my wheelhouse. And so uh, I think on the legal side of it, though, you know, making sure that you have the certain things in place, I've had to do even a lot of research for our church to make sure that we are compliant with the copyright laws, with making sure when, when it comes to the video, when it comes to the audio, the songs that we're singing, the streaming platforms, where we're going with that, make sure that we're, we're protected in that space, that we're not violating anything and um, not taking advantage of anything that's, uh, that we don't need to be in this time. And so um, I'm excited to kind of jump into that. So kind of that first, that first look around, you know, if we're talking about copyright and takedown notices, uh, kind of jump into that for us, Josh, and explain a little bit of that for us. Yeah. So, you know, 
when we first started moving into streaming, you know, Facebook had a pretty good copyright capture and they would shut down your live stream if you're doing a Facebook live, uh, if they heard music uh, in the background, if they could detect that it was copyrighted music, whatever, they'd shut it down. Uh, and so things have gotten a little bit better. The issue is, is that a lot of churches thought that their CCLI license that they have in order to play worship songs or play music out of the hymnal and, and, and the legal term perform those songs, even though I know we're performing for an audience of one here. Uh, but they, they really thought that that one CCLI license was going to be enough. And it's not. There is a separate streaming license that you have to get in order to be able to live stream music uh, worship songs, uh, and you can still get it through CCLI, but you've got to have that streaming license in addition to the regular license that that is out there. And there are a lot of churches now who are really having to get multimedia. They're having to get really interactive in how they do uh, these online worship services. And so they're trying to do music. They're adding video and other things like that. Well, when you put video in there, especially if you're using commercial videos like movies or things like that as a as a sermon illustration or just as an illustration going into a uh, a next song or whatnot, you've got to have what's called a CVLI license, and that's a license for video. Uh, and so and even within that, there are streaming segments of that. And so you've got to make sure that you've got all of those licenses in place. Okay, so make sure you've got CCLI and CVLI both uh, for your church when you meet together, but also make sure you've got those streaming riders or streaming licenses as well. But probably the biggest deal is making sure that you have a takedown notice. And I'm not aware of a whole lot of churches who are doing this, but you need to have a takedown notice on uh, your website. You need to have that takedown notice on your Facebook page. Uh, anyways, place you're streaming, if you're streaming to Twitter or, or streaming to LinkedIn, even whatever, wherever you're streaming to, uh, wherever this content is going to be available uh, through your worship services, you've got to make sure you have a takedown notice. Uh, that is a federal legal requirement that you have takedown notices when you've got content, uh, YouTube and so forth and so on. So what you need to do is have a point of contact that says, if you think we are violating your copyright, this is the person that you need to call and tell that to, okay? Because here's the deal with copyright. Copyright, for for the most part, there, there's a very limited exception in which there are criminal penalties for copyright violation. But for the most part, copyrights and trademarks and things like that are self-enforced. They're self-policed. And so if you have a copyright on something, you have to be the one that polices that. And uh, you file a lawsuit, you send notices and things like that to, to, to try and, and enforce your own copyright. Uh, and so the law requires that there be those takedown notices. So somebody can come in and try to enforce that copyright saying, Hey, you've used copyrighted material. You've got to take that down. So make sure you have that out there somewhere, just a takedown notice. And ultimately what you do with that is up to your discretion. Uh, and maybe you need to give us a call or give another lawyer a call. Hey, did we violate copyright? Did we not violate copyright? You kind of have some decisions to make there, but if it's something that can be worked out, then you don't have a copyright problem. But if you don't have a takedown notice and they can't get a hold of your church because you're on shutdown quarantine or whatever, or, or the message gets missed, it could open your church up to a lawsuit. Uh, and we're not just playing these songs and, and leading people and singing these songs uh, in congregations of a hundred people. We're putting it out there on Facebook for, you know, several hundred people to see. And then when you put it out there, it's there. Uh, and it's still out there even after the worship service has ended. And so that creates other opportunities for people to see that and start complaining about copyright violations. So just make sure you've got those copyright notices on any platform where you're going to be putting out potentially copyrighted material. 
uh, and uh, make sure you're you're complying with uh, the copyright laws and having those necessary licenses in place. Yeah, and I think one thing that's good to note as well is you can upgrade your licenses most of the time with CCLI. Like they they have the options of those. So like for our church, we upgraded, and I don't want don't quote me on the the cost, but it was around fifty dollars. So it wasn't crazy expensive to be able to upgrade to make sure that you're putting those things in place to protect yourself. Um, as well as, you know, like you said, having that description on even YouTube. So I, I would, and I see this all the time with churches, so you can actually activate, you know, your AdSense, so your ad accounts on YouTube. Uh, a lot of times that causes problems. Like they, they scrutinize those videos even more and start flagging them, especially if you're trying to make money off of your YouTube content. So I would just, I would caution churches to basically just take, take down any kind of money making opportunities that you can get from content that you're producing. Just let it go out there free. So that way you're not even still not even raising more red flags or bringing more attention to yourself in, in any kind of violation way. And so, uh, but a lot of that stuff, you know, with us, we, we had only really streamed the teaching, you know, the preaching itself. That was about the only thing that we'd streamed. So we had some some uh, you know licenses and stuff in place, but now it does it does change when you're doing a full worship set, and and that does change the whole experience as well as you know this will live on right in in the digital space, and so you've got to be very careful. So I think that's yeah. I think that's good and smart. That um, uh, that yeah that that is really a great point on the AdSense because CCLI only covers free delivery and, and getting paid to do something. Your CCLI doesn't cover that. You've got to have a whole other license if there's any type of money making uh, that's going on because of the content that you create. And so, yeah, if you've got AdSense turned on, you can't rely on your CCLI license, uh, even your CCLI streaming license to uh, give you copyright protection there. You've actually got to have one of those commercial licenses and those are quite a bit more expensive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just save yourself the trouble. Yep. Make sure that all that stuff is turned off. Absolutely. Well, and this kind of brings us into another point, you know, um, the, the main worship service, our Sunday services are online, but also all the other ministries, right? So we have, you know, our, our small groups, our community groups, or the smaller setups, uh, as well as children's ministry. So talk to us a little bit about the, the implications for children in this, this digital space. Yeah, you know, I, I will go ahead and throw a shout out to my children's pastor because he is one of these heroic kids pastors. And he knows that right now kids are not getting to meet together with their friends. They're indoors a lot. Uh, the socialization's going down. There's some anxiety. Why can't we go to school? What is this virus? Is it going to kill me? Is it going to kill my mom and dad? Is it going to kill my grandma and grandpa? Kids are dealing with some of these issues. Uh, and he knows that. And so he's, he's taking you know, broad steps to try and get out there and interact with kids in some way, shape, manner, or form. Uh, the problem is when you send a kid to a website or to an online platform uh, and you're intentionally trying to reach somebody under the age of 18, and even more so if you're trying to reach somebody under the age of 13, there are now automatic laws that pop into place. It's called the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And there are a slew, you, you, you know, there was a, a lot of discussion about whether churches had to comply with GDPR when it came out of the, the European Union. Uh, this is GDPR on steroids. Your privacy protection uh, policies just go through the roof on what you have to do in order to protect children's privacy while they're online. You don't need to be capturing IP addresses when you're trying to market to, uh, and trying to reach children. You don't need to be uh, trying to collect uh, information like their names or uh, their uh, telephone numbers or their email addresses or anything like that. 
anytime you're interacting with a child online, you've got tons and tons of requirements that are in place. And you really need to have a very specialized privacy policy in place that parents can see. Parents have to have access to that privacy policy. They have to have access to whatever information you collect on a child. Uh, if you collect any information on a child, they need to know what you're doing with that child online, how you're trying to reach them, what the purpose of it is, and how they can delete any information that you collect on that child. There's there's just so many requirements and the fees and the penalties and the fines if you uh, mess this up are enormous, not to mention the, the, the public relations problem that you're going to run into. So if you're going to be working with children online, your data privacy must really, really take a step up uh, and you need to have one of those policies in place. We, we have actually referenced some of this stuff that you're talking about, Josh, in some previous episodes. So make sure that you guys go back and uh, check out some of the uh, other episodes, especially around policies. And, and we're going to be talking even more in depth about this because this is so important um, during this pandemic to make sure that we're, we're setting all this stuff up appropriately and protecting our church and protecting our congregation um, that we need to. So uh, we talk about, you know, broadcasting on the different platforms and stuff, uh, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all that Um we want to make sure that we have our privacy policy set up uh, for those platforms specific. Correct, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so anytime that you're going to interact with somebody online, you need to have a privacy policy in place. And when you're working with children, those privacy policies, I mean, it's, it's much more important. And so we'll, we'll have a future podcast episode specifically for COPPA, the children online privacy protection act. But even with, um, adults, you still got to have privacy policies in place. And I see a whole lot of church websites out there that don't have a privacy policy. And so we'll go ahead and we'll do a whole whole other episode just on privacy policies at some point as well, so that you can get those up and run on your website. That'll be a great one as we continue our, our church technology and the law series that we were doing before the, the pandemic hit. And, and so really what people need to understand is that what goes on Facebook stays on Facebook. All right. <clears throat> they can delete their comments. They can delete, uh, you know, the church can delete a post or whatever, but what goes on Facebook stays on Facebook. And so we've just got to be very careful with how we handle confidentiality. Okay. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of people when you're, when you've got a small group of 12 people and you're meeting in a room at a church, confidentiality is really just dependent on that one person or those individual people making sure that they keep in confidence what should be kept in confidence as we're talking through things like prayer requests and things like that. But Zoom has been in the news a whole lot lately uh, because of people Zoom bombing is what they're calling. They're hacking into these Zoom meetings. I read one uh, story where a guy was defending his doctoral thesis on a Zoom call. Uh, to do social distancing and somebody hacked into it and on the whiteboard feature started drawing very inappropriate pictures uh, while he was trying to defend his PhD thesis. Um, that, that's nuts. And obviously we can't have that, but you think of the inverse of that instead of somebody coming in and interrupting the meeting, what if somebody just comes in and sits there and listens and they're just there paying attention and uh, you've got people sharing very personal, very intimate details about themselves. Now you're in a situation where somebody can take, that confidential information and add it to any other information they may be able to gather on this person uh, and steal an identity or go public with things that don't need to be public or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, now, if your church is sponsoring those meetings, uh, your church is working to set up those meetings and make sure that they're taking place, then your church incurs some liability there. And even if you don't necessarily even take an action, if it's a group of people at your church meeting uh, by Zoom for the, the, these small groups or whatnot, 
then you're in a situation now where your church could be held personally uh, liable for any damage that comes from somebody hacking into one of those meetings and taking that, that confidential uh, information that's shared through prayer requests or whatnot. And so we've got to be very, very careful that we're paying attention to confidentiality. And we're going to have even more episodes uh, later, and we may have already done a couple, I think, just talking about data security, where we have to make sure we're keeping people's data safe and secure. And so when we're talking about online giving, that is so crucial to the church right now. Online giving is crucial, but what are we doing with credit card numbers and bank account numbers and uh, dates of birth and the zip codes and the address and the security numbers on the back of the credit card and the names and the addresses? All of that stuff is personally identifiable information. And when you have that stuff transmitted online in order to do this online giving, you've got to make sure that those channels and then the, the data that is is recorded, you've got to make sure that is safe. Uh, and so confidentiality is a huge, huge deal. So you've got to make sure you've got a good privacy policy in place that protects your church. And some of that's going to be uh, whoever uses your website, whoever does online giving or whoever interacts with you on Facebook or whatever, that they're responsible for the information they put into their computer that can help protect your church. Some there's some other things that we can do as well that don't only protect your church, but protect the people in your church as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, uh, we've referred to it in the past, but you need to be able to be accountable for that data and what you're doing with it. So somebody did come and ask you, Hey, what are you doing with my name and date of birth? Yeah. You have a, a, an, an absolute, you know, exactly. And everyone who, who basically is on staff or handles that information can be able to say, this is what we do with it. This is how it's protected. This is how you can, you know, ask us to lead it. We can make sure that everything is taken care of for you. Um, and I, I guarantee you a lot of churches don't have that in place. And mm-hmm. so I'm excited to kind of jump into some of those episodes too, to just to deep dive into that. Cause I know that's definitely going to be a needed, a needed thing in this space. So, yeah. um, any kind of final closing thoughts on this, the online worship experience, you know, how, how people are handling it, um, you know, any kind of licensing or anything um, additional that we need to go into? Yeah, you know, when people think of the church, this is what they think about is the online worship service. And so we've got to make sure that we're doing it really well if that's how we're going to meet together. And I think it's commendable that we're doing those things. I think we've got to do those things. But in doing so, we just need to make sure we're complying with the law. And it's not difficult. There are a couple extra licenses we need to get. There's a couple of things that we need to post. Maybe post our CCLI number on our YouTube page. Maybe post the CCLI number on the Facebook post. Maybe make sure you've got your takedown notices here and there. A couple of little loose ends to tie off. Easy things, low-hanging fruit to make sure that we're complying with the laws we do this. And listen, we talked about this in our, our last episode Churches that are better now during the pandemic will be better after the pandemic. So just because this pandemic ends and we stop meeting online as a church and we start meeting in the in the in the worship center or the sanctuary of our church, that does not mean that we have to stop live streaming. And so getting all of these things in place right now, this is not just a band-aid or a temporary stopgap thing. This can really propel us into a whole new frontier of reaching people for the gospel for Christ online. Absolutely. And I, I, I'll tag on to that as kind of my final thoughts is we, we have in our church leadership, we have started looking towards that, right. Of, you know, even, even with it, you know, make, make comes and everything is fine. You know, how comfortable are people still, are they going to be to, to still come and worship with you? You still need to provide, you know, a year out. We need to make sure that the worship experience online is still that high quality. We don't just want to abandon all of this when everything goes away. Uh, we want to make sure that we're still intentional about what we're doing. And, and I'll say this. So just with 
my background in all of this, if you're a church right now who has not done live streaming or you're struggling with it or don't know about anything on there, I, I'm more than happy to help you out to answer any questions that maybe your leadership has. Uh, I know Josh, and that's what we do here. We want to, we want to be able to offer um, help in the, in these times. And so uh, feel free to reach out to me myself. I don't, I definitely don't mind helping out. I've helped out several churches just around the live streaming stuff. And then I know we have some other resources, um, you know, from the church law group too, of being, making sure that we're there for you guys during this time. So, um, but thank you so much for uh, joining us, Josh. This has been fantastic. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Law & Church. Make sure you check out lawandchurch.com for all the resources, show notes, links. Everything is available for you there. And if you'd like to connect with us, go over to facebook.com, search the Church Esquire Club. There's all sorts of opportunities for you there. And thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next week.